0: You're listening to Book Stories, a podcast about the business and culture of bookselling in the 21st century. I'm your host, Vic Singh. Before we begin, if you like what we're doing, there are a couple of ways to help us out. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also support the show via Patreon. Finally, I'm excited to announce a cool partnership with Libro.fm. Libro.fm is the first audiobook company to directly support independent bookstores. They make it easy for you to listen to more audiobooks at a great price, all while knowing you're helping your community thrive. Learn how to get your first month for 99 cents at bookstories.show. This week we'll travel south from Vancouver to another great city, Seattle. There's a fascinating store there called Ada's. They specialize in technical books, and they're definitely on the cutting edge of bookselling. Owned by husband and wife duo David and Danielle Halton, Ada's has expanded into co-working an event space, cafe, and neighborhood darling. I talked to Danielle about building a thriving technical bookstore business right in Amazon's backyard. Here's our conversation. I am super excited to talk to you because I have admired your store and your business model and what you and your husband created in Seattle for a couple of years. I was looking at, at bookstores. I, I wanted to open something in a different genre, but I, you guys were kind of a blueprint. Um, and so I'm really excited. I'm really excited to chat. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I know about your store, um, mm-hmm. but in your own words, how did Ada's come about? What's the origin story?
1: Yeah, so let's see. The origin story, uh, I kind of starts with my background, I guess. So my background is in electrical engineering and computer science. And I was a computer engineer for about four years before we started Ada's. And um, I met my husband, well, we worked for the same company. And so he's a um, cryptographer. And he's also what I consider like a multi-passionate entrepreneur so he like helped start the engineering firm we were working for he has a series of computer security conferences that he started he just like i feel like he has that um type of mentality where he just he doesn't see any problem with just creating his dream job, which is really great. And that's like something I admire a lot about him. So anyway, so about four years into engineering and I was loving it, but I wasn't loving it. I was looking for something new. Yeah. Um, and we just kind of started brainstorming different careers. And and in the brainstorming of different careers that I'd want to do, I I knew about myself that like what I really loved was being around people that were in science and technology. I really loved learning new things in that capacity. So I kept talking about like going back to school, but then I was like, but then once I got the degree, I don't think I want to do that thing. Like I just want to learn about this thing. Um, And I want to be around people that are doing things. And I want to talk about science and technology. And I think it's really cool to live in that space. Um, And it kind of came about, he was the one that came up with the idea of, well, why don't you just start a technical bookstore? And it was, it was a kind of bit modeled after um powell's technical books in uh portland so uh portland has powell's books which is an entire city block of it's a bookstore that's an entire city block but right. it's amazing right right um and then and for a long time they had a totally separate bookstore that was just a few blocks away that was a technical bookstore and also very large and also amazing um and
0: do they still have know, it
1: they don't anymore they so they moved it and it was then they've moved it and changed its name to like powell's two and that was right across the street and then i think that now it's just if it's there it's just more an extension of the general bookstore um they still carry a lot of technical books i mean they're a gigantic bookstore but they don't have like a technical bookstore anymore um but at the time like we would go down there with friends just to go shopping at the technical bookstore. We thought that was really great. And so we were like, you know, kind of in his spirit of, well, why don't we just make that here (laughs) because it's obviously something we enjoy and our friends enjoy it. So it seems like more people would be into it. And, you know, I was like, that's a, that's an amazing idea. However, what I would really like to do with that space, at the time, most technical bookstores that I had, like pretty much every technical bookstore I'd ever been to, was in a space that felt a lot like a warehouse. Even Powell's Technical Books, it wasn't a warehouse, but they had like metal shelves. Um, it, it felt a lot like a warehouse. And um, it just, the types of books that they carried were really amazing and like highly technical manuals, but there wasn't anything that was just like, Hey, I've never ever touched this topic before. And I'm just curious about it. There weren't a lot of books for that level of um, curiosity, I guess. And so we went into the space saying, I personally really like beautiful spaces. So I want it to look nice and I want there to be more books on the getting started in this realm accessible books that are
0: yeah yeah
1: that anybody because my philosophy going into it is that everybody is into science and tech whether they realize they are or not and especially with our society the way that it is right now everybody is has daily experiences with technology and we all are curious about it like i honestly think we're curious about it and i honestly think it's a community that is very accepting to this um nature of i just want to figure out how this works um, and so i wanted to, i wanted it to be a space that anybody could walk into and immediately felt comfortable immediately feel like they could ask a question and nobody would look at them and think that they were strange for asking the question um, and so that was kind of that was the vision um, and so we started and we opened um in this cute little space uh, in Capitol Hill, which is a neighborhood in Seattle that we've lived in for a long time and we know really well. Um, and so we uh, opened up the bookstore and we added, at the time, like there's a lot of research coming out with bookstores. This was 2010. Um, and a lot of people were saying like, oh, bookstores are dying or here's a way to make your bookstore, you know, stable <laughs> for like the economy. Right. Um, and one of the ideas was to, um carry what what we call sidelines which is just something other than books
0: non, and, non, uh, non-book non retail
1: right and we're like well of course we'll do that but we're not going to carry like calendars and just like the standard sideline stuff because we're a, a technical bookstore so we're going to carry kits and uh like electronics kits and we're going to carry soldering irons and we're going to carry um just things that speak to that same mindset um and that kind of set the tone also. So you step in the space and you immediately know kind of what we're about. Um, puzzle, we have a lot of wooden puzzles um, too. So yeah, so that was kind of the the vision and the origin story, story was like how we started.
0: How did you come up with the model? Um, Like you mentioned that you were doing a lot of uh, bookstore research. And yeah, there's all this discussion and all this talk about finding ways to make the bookstore sustainable because retail alone doesn't get it done necessarily. You Mm -hmm. had this, you had this, not only are you specialty, so you're not a generalist bookstore, (laughs) but then you are now, you have a co-working space and you have Mm -hmm. this thing called the lab did yeah. did all of this did you have all of this in your mind at the beginning or did you, have you just sort of been adapting cuz that's that's what i love about yeah, this you have this yeah. you have this sort of, and you have a cafe as well which i'm going to i have a question about your your coffee uh making yeah. um where where did all of these these brand extensions i guess if you want to call them yeah, that wh- yeah, where did yeah. it come from
1: um so well i guess another answer to that and something i kind of hinted about but didn't focus on like we we say that the purpose of ADAS is, is to build community around science and technology, and I feel like I've been grappling with how exactly to build community since we started. And so, you know, okay, I can open this space that's really beautiful and that people feel comfortable in, uh, but how does that build community? And so, we had we've had a really robust robust events program since we started. We had we currently we have uh, five book clubs that meet so like once a week or almost more than once a week we have a book club that meets we have um authors that come in we do workshop type things and but that type of our event program that's not new we've been building that for since 2010 um and the food and coffee aspect of our business was something that we wanted to do also from the beginning um however the first location we were in was again it was pretty tiny And it was um, right next to like another coffee shop that was amazing. And it didn't really make sense for us to also have coffee or food in our space. And so we started there just to kind of test the waters and it was working well. But we knew that in order to get people there frequently, like I actually had a conversation with the owner of the coffee shop right next to us. and I said, you know, you consistently, you're just like packed with people and we're lucky if we have five people in the store like we think that's exciting and I was like what is it what do you do and he's like well we serve coffee (laughs) people come (laughs) in and want to sit and hang out and I'm like oh that's totally right (laughs) um and I think in my own journey too a lot of what we do at Ada's reflects kind of what I am into in my life and me and my husband too sure so in our own journey we were starting to discover you know we live in Seattle it's a very coffee centric city and we've been into coffee forever but we were starting to discover um what i've heard termed the like third wave coffee so it's a lighter roast it pays a lot more attention to the flavor of the coffee um single origin typically so you can talk about like oh this was grown in this certain conditions and therefore it tastes this way and um we thought that was really interesting And there's, and at the and so this was probably 2012 or so. And there were a few third wave coffee shops in Seattle. Um, But we were like, you know, we could add to that. We could be, we we could move to a different location where there's tons of coffee shops because it's Seattle and there's coffee shops everywhere, but we could do a third wave coffee shops. And that gives us a little bit of a differential between the other shops on our street. Um, And it speaks to this like curiosity of, I love figuring out, like, where was this coffee grown? (laughs) Who grew it? How did they wash it? Like, that's that's really interesting to me. And it really... Um, I think it mirrors the curiosity of the books as well. And,
0: so, the, uh, yeah. and the, the space that you're providing the coffee in is unique than all of, I don't want to use the word competitors, but like your, your coffee experience is completely different than right. uh, the coffee experience down the door too. So that makes, um, that just right. enhances the experience. And you know, it's funny, you <laughs> bookstores, uh, in the, in the stores that I've spoken with so far, they, they, some of them lament the cafe, some of them sort of embrace the cafe, but mm-hmm. uh, people will spend $9 at a cafe, but they won't they won't buy a book for $9. So you have to, right. you have to, you have to find a way to create an environment where, you know, it, the economics work.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think for us too, like having people, because we're a specialty bookstore, um, and honestly we're a specialty cafe as well. We're, uh, um, we're third wave coffee and we are a vegetarian cafe, <laughs> but, uh, that works really well in Seattle and it's not as much of a specialty, I would say, as the technical books, but, I also, when I talk to people, I say that we're a general bookstore that specializes in technical books because the books that we carry are not, when I say we're a technical bookstore, people assume it's just like textbooks that were for students. And that's not at all what we carry. Um, And so for me, it's really cool.
0: What's your inventory Uh, mix? uh,
1: So about, I would say over half of our bookstore is more of this like, General books but it's still it's not general, but it that's what I would consider general. So it's a lot of science fiction. We have a decent sized uh, young adult section that's pretty much science fiction. We have a ton of what we call general science. Um an author that I think a lot of people have heard of that is a good characterization of that type of book is uh, Mary Roche. She's written several books, but it's like, I don't want to say pop science, not, that's not the right word, but it's nonfiction, it's science, and it's curiosity-based, but it's not a uh, textbook that you would carry into a classroom. It's meant for somebody to read on their own and explore and have conversations with people. And there's a ton of books in that genre. So we have, I would say, you know, about half of our inventory are books like that. And then the most technical books that we have are... Um, programming books and we carry a lot of books the publishers that we carry primarily are uh no starch and o'reilly and they write a ton of books that are written for you to teach yourself a programming language or teach yourself an operating system yeah o'reilly's
0: o'reilly's got a huge catalog
1: yeah and so we carry like as many of their books as practical and make sense for like current technology so we have it about the other half of our inventory is our books like that so it's still not you know like if you're a college student studying biology you're not necessarily going to be able to find the i mean we can order that book for you but you're not going to be able to walk into our shop and find your textbook
0: the textbook right and yeah. i would imagine i would imagine you don't stock like uh the michael wolf political book about the like the trump administration stuff like that right. like regu- right, right. regular general affairs non-nonfiction is not right yeah right it's yep. And how is how is that as a strategy? Has it been, do people come in looking for for stuff or like, do you have that book or and do they get I, a little, you know, discombobulated or is it kind of like, is it now kind of in the cultural ethos of the space in the area that this is this kind of a bookstore?
1: I think people have figured out, I mean, honestly, the, deci- the decision to call it Ada's Technical Books, I... And very glad that that's what we called it, but we've also scared away some people. So they walk by and they see Ada's technical books, and they go, "Oh, that's that shop's not
0: for me." It's not for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then they and then we open a vegetarian cafe that serves really good coffee, and people start coming in and saying, "Oh, you know, yeah, they're a technical bookstore, but their food is really good. You should go and try their food." And then people go, they eat here, and they turn around and they go, "But this isn't a technical book, and I'm really into this book. And what's going on over here?" And that's really exciting for me because that's getting people into the space and and pretty much my like largest barrier is like ju- just try it, just walk in, and I promise you'll find
0: something, even if you don't think you will. That's <laughs> no, great, people. Like you said, that they're, they're, everybody has an inner technologist in them, um, mm-hmm. especially with even even just now as little uh, what what's what happened with Facebook in the last couple of days. Um, oh, right. People that yeah. never never thought they would care about technology are sort of like, well, how does this you know implicate right. me in these certain ways? It's amazing. Right. Um, what's the uh, Ada, Ada, uh, Lovelace, right? That's the, yeah, uh, yeah. what was the inspiration behind that? Um, was this, yeah. did you have this in one of your journals somewhere growing up or did, did it, <laughs> did, would you when you guys were, cause I talk uh, a lot of, a lot about businesses with other you know, people and friends and, and coming up with names for things is really yeah. hard. And yeah. a lot of projects will die on the vine. Um, with yeah. the name, with yeah. the name, if they can't get a commitment on it. So I'd just like to, I'd just like to hear like how people come up with the names for their businesses and their projects.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, so when we were brainstorming all these ideas, we had settled on a technical bookstore, and we're like, okay, now what do we call it? Um, I, I, at the time, uh, I feel like there was a lot of talk in the tech community about Nikola Tesla, and I feel like a bunch of people were saying, like, oh, my gosh, did you know he did this? And, wow, he was this amazing person. And he was, like, kind of having his moment in the sun, and that was really cool. Um, and I, you know, I said, you know, it would be cool to name... The store after somebody like Tesla that maybe hasn't gotten as much recognition as they deserve, but not Tesla because he's getting a ton of recognition right now. So let's not name it after him, but he's cool. So let's think of somebody like him. And so we have this whole long list of people. And my husband actually was like, well, what about about Ada Lovelace? And I had never heard of her. And so I actually uh, did some research, and I was like, Oh my gosh, she's amazing. Like this is a woman in science and technology who's a mathematician, which math is my love. That's how I got into engineering and computer science. And um she, you know, turn of the century, and she was also like um, the founder of computer science, which is amazing. Like this is she's just like the perfect fit for this. Um and so it was it was kind of love at first. Uh, knowledge but but also perfect because I am this person that grew up in love with math and science and technology and I had never heard of her so I was like well this is great this is a great learning opportunity to be able to talk to other people about this amazing person as well
0: that's fantastic. Um you you guys uh, bought the building that you now inhabit, right? Mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. you and you repurposed it. It was a it was a house. Yeah. Um talk a little bit about that that experience uh, of like the how yeah. much how much vision and foresight had to and patience had to go into <laughs> prepping this space.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of patience, although we also um started construction in 2012 and Seattle's current construction market is insane right now so i'm glad that we started it when we did because it would have been even more patience if we had started today um, but uh, we so right before us well right before us the building had ac- actually been vacant for several years but before that it was at, it was another bookstore wow and then before that it was somebody's personal residence and so it had like a really good history to it and it was a beautiful spot and had this great like house feeling to it you know it felt really homey it was also just like in really bad shape when we bought that building um, we kind of laughed i took a picture of the keys in front of a gigantic hole in the wall with like mold all around it and i was like i own this you know like, it was kind of mm-hmm. ridiculous um but that gave us this really cool opportunity where we could say we want to keep this this is an important part of the history whether or not it's a historical building but it has this great story to it neighborhood and feel too yeah. yeah, and so we want to keep this, but there's not a lot that needs keeping, <laughs> and so it's totally fine. It was still laid out exactly like a house, so the bookstore previous to us, they hadn't, you know, really remodeled much, which was a cool feeling, I think, too, for that bookstore, but that's not exactly the vibe that I like, um, and so we were like, you know, we can take out all the walls, we can take out the ceiling and not feel bad about it. We're not destroying anything that really is in shape to be kept anyway, And we were able to keep all of the, like, wood from the interior of the walls, and we repurposed it throughout the space. We kept, like, a bunch of the windows. We kept the original doors, and we repurposed them in this really cool art installation. Um, Where
0: where did you put the wood?
1: uh, We used it, like, on our point of sale. We used it on all of our tables. It surrounds the, like, little... Um shadow boxes that we have for all of our tables. Um, we used it on some of our shelving inside. Cool. Oh, and then also, um we have a friend that did this amazing uh art piece that hangs on the side of our building that's a, the Seattle skyline. I saw that and in that's made out of wood. yeah, that's wood from the space too. that's so really we repurposed cool. it in a lot of spaces, yeah um, but so I guess like and when I say we at this point um part of the process of the remodel was finding the right architect because, I feel like I had a really clear vision of what I wanted it to look like and definitely what I didn't want it to look like and had some ideas of of the feeling of how I wanted people to feel when they were in the space, but I am not an architect at all. I'm not an interior designer. Like that is not my strength. And we interviewed a few people and they were all, I mean, Seattle is a great city. Like they, they were all super competent and would have done it really well. Uh, the architect that we ended up working with though, that was such an amazing like meeting with him and he was such a great, partner for the project where he his personal residence is about two blocks away from where Ada's is right now oh. and then on the same street and then his architecture firm is two blocks in the other direction on the same street and so he is like so just he so had, had skin in the game head. yeah 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 and he has um he's gone from like internet celebrity since then actually his basement is like the the most amazing Lego room you've ever seen like floor to ceiling shelves of organized Legos. And he does these amazing constructions with them. And so he like really got what we were going for too, in terms of like, like who our people are, like what we're trying to do. This is a tech space, but it's a general space, but it's for everybody, you know, like, like he got it. And that was really great. And he was really fun to work with because I was able to say like, what about this thing? And he's like, Oh yeah. And then this, you know, it was a, it was a really great, um, team and it was fun too because he um was growing his business along the same like at the same time as we were growing so we started with him and he had one architect that he had just hired and now his company i don't even know how many people he has now but it's this gigantic company and that's really fun to like um talk to him about growing a business along at the same time And yeah was, you guys, are, you guys are having
0: this growth trajectory at the same time that's yeah, really cool yeah. that's special yeah. Um, yes. that's, and that, that Seattle, um, that wood cutting out that you have on the, on this, yeah. that's, that's cool. To, it's just such yes. a aesthetic thing and such an Instagrammable thing. I'm sure that your yeah. Uh, yeah. guests uh, are, <laughs> are using that. Um, you mentioned that your husband is in cryptography. Um, mm-hmm. do you guys accept uh Bitcoin in store?
1: <laughs> we have in the past and I, we, uh, the processor that we were using for that, uh, Change their model. So we're not doing it currently, okay. uh, maybe in the future.
0: Okay. But. What percentage, uh, I'm just curious, what percentage of the business was, was it, or was it even, was it, was it negligible? <laughs> was so
1: it was negligible. It was like a, you know I mean? It was kind of like, we're into tech and we're into new things sure. so I'm willing to try anything. Right. But it wasn't like people we had a Bitcoin meetup and whenever they met here, like a ton of people would pay for their coffee with it. But that was about it. Okay. <laughs> so about once a month and then that was it.
0: <laughs> so you're a you're a bookstore, you're a cafe, a co working mm-hmm. space. Um yeah. how's the how's co working going by the way? Yeah. Is it-
1: oh that's great. Yeah, so I guess we didn't even really talk about the co working space yeah. or the event space, but the coworking space so the, the cafe part was a intentional, like we kind of knew that that was happening. Right. It's the, first thing you, it's
0: the first thing you see when you walk in too, right? Like yeah, that's, yeah.
1: Yeah. So the co-working space, that, um, that kind of came along as we were doing the renovation of our building. I, you know, I said, I need an office. I <laughs> kind of like, we just need one space with one desk where I can work. And that was built into the original space. And then it kept getting smaller and smaller because we needed more shelf space or whatever. And at one point, it was, like, literally just, like, a closet with a chair. And then that that was gone. Like, so then there's no office. And I'm thinking, you know, that's okay. I can maybe work from home. I live close by and come in or something. Um, and the architect said, you know, technically, we can build a second story onto – So so our space, we kept the house – there was a backyard that we really have no use for. This isn't a residence. So we were able to build um, a new structure in the backyard and make the space a little larger. And it feels really like you can't tell really where the new structure starts in the house was. Um, but so we have this like L-shaped And he said, over that new structure, we could add a second story, and then you could have a gigantic office. I'm like, I don't need an office that big. (laughs) I just need a desk. Um, And so then we started thinking about, well, what if we did a co-working space? And, I mean, honestly, our co-working space is pretty small in terms of co-working space standards. We have about 20 desks. it has turned out to be such an amazing addition to our community and like building community in just a different way yeah. where I I do work um, about 30 to 40 hours at a desk at this point. Like I, I haven't always, but it's transitioned to that point. And so I'm sitting at a desk and I'm sitting next to people that are working on other really cool, exciting projects, like blogs and apps and um, like social, like there's a couple of people that are doing um, like student, education around science and technology and like it's really fun to get to know people that live in Seattle and live in our community that are doing really interesting things as well. Uh and that feel like true coworkers for me. Uh because that's been something I've had since I started ADAS in that same way. Right. I mean I of course have lots of coworkers, but you know, it's it's different. And yeah. so it's really that's been really great. Is it um, walk in?
0: Do you take walk ins or is it a membership okay. model? Mm-hmm. How does it work? Um
1: it's so what we have are, um, we have about eight desks that are walk-in. And the way those work, I think is probably, I don't know any other co-working space that works this way because of the link to the cafe. So you walk into the bookstore and say, hey, I'm thinking about using the co-working space today. And you can get a tour or whatever if you've never seen it. But if you have, you just pay, it's $20 for entrance. so you pay the cashier or the barista, or whatever, right? We have one checkout station downstairs. So you pay that person downstairs $20. That includes a free coffee of your choice. And then um, they'll give you a key and you can walk up to the co-working space that's up some stairs behind the space. And so the door to the co-working space is locked and you only get access if you've paid to use the space. Um, And then, so that's one level of entrance. We have kind of like a half level above that where you can buy a bulk pass. So it's a little bit less expensive and you get 10 entrances, but it works in the same way, more or less. And then the only other, well, I guess when we have- yeah, one other level with two different size desks, which is a twenty four seven access. Oh, and was your gonna, key that's was, what I was gonna yeah. ask.
0: So you do have twenty four seven access. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and so, do people take advantage of that? Is there a lot oh, of Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's actually the majority of our members is are people that have this twenty four seven access. And we our neighborhood, we live Capitol Hill is this really cool neighborhood in Seattle where there's several, I mean, I want to say like at least five different commercial districts and they're kind of in between sandwiched in between residential districts in the neighborhood, which is really cool. So we're on one of the commercial districts, but all around us is, People, our residences. So pretty much everybody that works in the co-working space is somebody that lives within walking distance, um, which is and that's really great for me too because I live in the neighborhood. You know, so I'm getting to know my neighborhood and my neighbors, and it's yeah. really it's great.
0: And yeah. it's a testament to this notion of uh, third places. You know, even though you live in the neighborhood, yeah. you wanna you wanna just be able to step out even if it's just a few feet or blocks yeah. away.
1: And you wanna like I mean, a lot of the people that work up here have families, and like you wanna commune with adults, especially if you're like working from totally. home. But yes, like it. it's a different level of community, yeah. So and that's that's been great. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah.
0: So I want to like step back and just talk about your views on some macro topics mm-hmm. in the industry. So it's dozens of small bookstores across the country are opening multiple locations mm-hmm. now. They're expanding into mini chains. I think there's even a place in uh, Seattle, Third Place. They yeah. have uh, they have three or four locations now. Yeah. Um, the the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco, Brooklyn. Is this just a function of more demand for Third Places, or do you see something bigger happening?
1: Uh, I mean, I think of both. I think that one is definitely bookstores are this amazing third place. And I think that there is a demand for that bookstores, coffee shops, um, libraries, even I think that um, as a society, we really, like I just said, you know, like stepping out of your house and going to another place. That's important to us as a society. Uh, The other thing, kind of my philosophy, you know, I'm a technical bookstore. People like to laugh about the fact that I'm a technical bookstore in the city of Amazon. Um, And uh, for me, a bookstore is a totally different business than Amazon in that people are walking into the space. They're interacting with booksellers who are obsessed about the books that they're selling and could tell you forever why this one book is amazing. And you're able to like physically feel this object that that quite frankly like that's what it's meant for. Books are meant to be held and looked at and like paged through, um, and it's a different you know like bookstores are never going to be what they used to be before the internet. That's sh- for sure. Like if you know what book you're you want or you need, you are going to go onto the internet to get it. That's the way that our society is, and that's fine. But we're still like an intellectual society. We're still people that really like the the idea of ideas and we're still people that like community around ideas and so i think like if you open a bookstore in a neighborhood people are gonna be into that like they want to be there they want to figure out what's you know what ideas are you personally passionate about um and so it is a third place but it's the next layer among that because bookstores are third places that are third places that hold like a box of ideas which is really cool um and a box of
0: learning, you know. Yeah. And in your community in Capitol Hill and like the other surrounding neighborhoods in Seattle, has your experience been that that your patrons and and the people that are coming through your store want your place to exist and are super glad that it's there? Or is it kind of a situation where they're uh, another retail store that's opening? Uh, Oh no, no I mean
1: Seattle also is amazing. I mean it's over 60% of the businesses in Seattle are small businesses. And I really think that people that live in Seattle love that and want small businesses. They, like they, that's the culture that we want and so us over even like a name brand bookstore they would choose us any day right like they want a small business and I mean yeah we I, I to me it's like an adult in a we're like an adult toy store or an adult candy shop like it's so fun for me to see a person come into Ada's for the first time their eyes light up and like when they click and realize like this is an amazing space and that happens a lot and that's really that's really great and it's it's fun because honestly I created it in a way that was like this is something that I like and I want to exist and hopefully other people like it too and so it's really fun um seeing that connection and seeing that other people do really like it (laughs) So, yeah.
0: No, it's fantastic. I have a four-year-old and he... We have we have a handful of bookstores in Los Angeles, but um, I grew up going to bookstores all the time and I kind of, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure you did as well. You get lost in yeah. them and it was just kind of... And I as a parent, I want to make sure that, you know, my kids and, and kids of his generation have places like this to go. and oh, yeah. So it's great to see that the community is embracing it and that you guys are coming up with creative ways to, you know, stave off the Amazons of the world and whatever. And it's, it's, yeah. it's really cool. Um, do you have uh, on that note, you, so we touched on the bookstore, the cafe, the co working, and the event space. Do you have any mm-hmm. other brand extensions planned or are you kind of like, are you, are you, have you used every usable square inch of the space to,
1: yeah, I mean, we've definitely used every usable square inch of our space. So we're definitely moved into this space 100%. Um, and that's great. That That's a really good feeling that's recent. The event space is the most recent thing. So that's great. Uh, I have huge dreams for what I'd like our web presence to be like, and it's not there. So, you know, there's that extension. Yeah. And I mean, we have, I, I think I've caught whatever bug David has in terms of like creating your dream uh, career. And we have all these like ideas things that would be really cool or cities that would be really cool to um participate in the culture there whatever um there's nothing immediately that we are actively working on but i you know i mean I, we're still pretty young there's like a lot of time in front of us and and i think that we have a really um fun concept that would be fun to play with in other areas too sure. so i mean who knows
0: <laughs> Ada's los angeles is waiting for you <laughs> um, do you, do you guys, bro- you talked about like your web presence stuff. Do you guys broadcast, uh, events online? Do you do any media?
1: Um, I mean, we don't right now. And I would, I would really love to, cause I think our event program is amazing. So that's one of the things we have a social media coordinator and she's, she's great. I feel like our Instagram presence is, is really, really good. We're a very visual company in terms yeah. of the feeling that we want people to have. And so Instagram is a great platform for us. And you guys but do...
0: You guys do these maker yeah. workshops, and yeah. I, those are those are very to me. Those are very visual, yeah. and, and could be experienced. The, the experience could be enhanced if they were if they were broadcast. When I saw that you oh, guys yeah. do that, I was like, "Wow, that would be really cool." My kid would love to watch that. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I agree. I totally think that, and I think part of it is making sure it's done right. And you know, there's only so many hands and people of things, sure. but that's one of that's one of the ideas that I would love to have happen.
0: Yeah. Um. What changes would you like to see within the book industry as a whole? If any, is there anything that you've been in that you've been in the book business for a yeah. while? Is there anything that irks you or that you just kind of like, ah, I wish I could affect some change or apply some technology to this space. Or <laughs> Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess a couple things like one, one thing that really, really irks me is just, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, I'm totally fine. If there's a specific book you want and you go online to buy it, like, I understand that that's the way our culture is today, and that's that's great. I'm glad that we have that. I mean, I also have a young kid, and I love that I can like, oh my god, I forgot to go to the grocery store, and I can order through Instagram and they bring it to me. That's amazing. That's that's a light. We live in the future, and that's amazing, right? That's that's really great. I don't want to take that away. However, it is very frustrating as a small business owner to know for a fact that amazon it does not make a penny off of any book that they sell, and that their entire um business model is keeping small businesses from thriving and so like i don't I want Amazon to do well as well, but i I want them to have the same amount of skin in the game as I have to have um, so that that's one major thing that I would really like to see changed a lot of people Um, think a lot
0: of people they're lay people i guess that they 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 think that amazon's making all this money on books no they're they're trying to accumulate customers and prime memberships and books are completely an afterthought if there was an easier if there was something else when when they decided to make the company if there was something that was easier than books to sell they would have sold those instead exactly exactly it's not necessarily that they have a thing against books it's (laughs) but there's but you're right there's no in doing what they do they just they they take away opportunities for other businesses to right. sort of, you know, make a, make their way.
1: Yeah. So that, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing in the book industry I'd like to see changed. Um, and then the other thing is, um, access to different, I mean, I think access to different, um, means of consuming literature. So, um, Ebooks and audiobooks are two that come to mind immediately, and I will say actually, there's a, a newish company Libro.fm that seems to be doing a really good job with partnering with independent bookstores for audiobooks. I'm and I'm pretty with them, excited yeah. about what they're doing. Yeah. Like honestly, I think they're doing some good work. I, I would love to see something similar to that with ebooks. They're Kobo partners with ebooks, but and independent bookstores, but the relationship is a little different, um, and it's not quite as uh, mutually beneficial. I don't think. And I'd love to see like more variety in ebook readers that could be partnered with independent bookstores. I mean, I think that that's great too. I I'm all about people consuming media in all forms. Like, I don't think it has to be a paperback book, <laughs> you know. Right, so, right. Um, I'd love to see more opportunities for that as well.
0: You might have answered my next question, and, and but I'm going to ask it anyway, uh, especially mm-hmm. because you're a, a technical person and you have a technical bookstore. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, this question is about a, about a fifty fifty response rate, but it's uh, um, <laughs> I'm sure you might you might appreciate. It is there any innovation or thing that in your business right now that nobody's doing
1: uh yeah we have a couple things actually um and actually right now the thing that i think david and i are most excited about is this play of technology and coffee so actually the the one the one thing that i can talk about that i think is really cool that i can't take any credit for because it was completely david's invention but uh there's a really old like method of brewing coffee from Japan. Uh, well, we we do like cold brew coffee. You've probably seen it around, but there's the like cold brew towers um, that are these really beautiful towers where there's water on top and it drips like one drop of cold water over dry grounds of coffee Coffee over 12 to 24 hours. And it brews this really amazing uh, cup of coffee, cold cup of coffee. Um, and traditionally the way that you do that is you there's little levers on each of the um, drip towers and you turn the little lever once an hour or so because you want the rate of that one little drop to be consistent. I feel like it's a very like it feels very like Japanese philosophy to me, where you like touch it to adjust that one little drop rate. um, And you do that for 12 to 24 hours. And David said, that's great. This coffee is amazing. I don't want to adjust that lever once an hour. (laughs) And so instead, I'm going to um, use an Arduino and some solenoids to have a robot adjust that drip rate for me. And it'll be the same drip rate from start to finish. So there isn't any variety at all because the robot's controlling it. Um,
0: so you've automated and, the process.
1: Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. So we have two of those in the store and the coffee is really amazing and it's cool. It's this like fun play between science and old, old technology. And it's really, it's great.
0: <laughs> that That is, that is so cool. Um, Mm -hmm. okay I'm gonna we're almost done I'm gonna move on to a lightning round so I'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions you can be yes or no or if you want to like riff on them you can feel free Um, okay what does the word bookstore mean to you in 2018
1: whoa I think like a third place we've talked about that third place a place of ideas
0: do you think that print will always exist
1: in some form or other I think it will yeah
0: what are you reading right now
1: I am currently reading the this Beyond Dreams by Peter F. Hamilton. What's it about? It is about a... Uh, it's such a complicated storyline. So it's a science fiction space opera about a world that exists in this like black hole that nobody knew about. And there's really weird, strange technology that's... Or not technology, but aliens that are maybe eating people in that space.
0: <laughs> are there any writers or scholars out there You'd like to mention that you think should be getting more attention, perhaps a title that you guys sell or that you carry that you're particularly fond of, or
1: yeah, I mean, there's I've mean, I mentioned Mary Roach. She has a she gets a lot of attention, I think, right now. But if, if there are people that haven't heard of her or haven't read any of her books, she's amazing. She really boils down technology or sci- a science topic to like very digestible, fun way to read.
0: How do you spell uh, her Ma- last name?
1: R. Ooh, I think it's R O A C H Mary Roach. It, I okay. might have messed that up though. But two of her titles that I really love are um Bonk and Gulp. She has a lot of a, a lot of singular title.
0: Those help. <laughs> Easy.
1: Yeah.
0: And they look good on the spine, right? That's cute. Yeah. Yep. Um uh, yep. has Jeff Bezos ever been in the store?
1: <laughs> Not to my knowledge. Maybe secretly. <laughs>
0: clandestine um Mm -hmm. what has been your favorite event so far the one Uh, that stands out
1: we had an event with um phil and kaya Foglio, who are the authors of girl genius and that was really fun so girl genius is a graphic novel mostly for i mean i think it's technically a young adult graphic novel uh but i love it and it's uh steampunk girl like a girl genius is the you know kind of But she goes on all these adventures and it's there's several different iterations they have the graphic novel version they actually have a novel version as well of the same story it's kind of fun to read both and see what you can get in a visual form versus just plain literature form what the differences are um but they're and they're super fun (laughs)
0: cool um if you weren't a bookseller and all the other things that you are um (laughs) what would you be doing
1: i think i'm really into coffee maybe it'd be a competition barista
0: <laughs> <laughs> is there a piece of great advice you were told once that you can share today
1: oh gosh i mean it's like very stereotypical but it's taken me a very long time to settle in of the you can be literally anything you want to be <laughs>
0: sure. No, and, and, <laughs> yeah. you, and you guys are living that so that's great yeah um complete the sentence seattle is
1: seattle is Seattle is a, uh, like network of micro communities that all feed among each other and full of like amazing creative people.
0: I love that riff. That's fantastic. I (laughs) I lived, I spent some time in Seattle and I, uh, I love it there. it's, it's a great, great special town. Um, what book have you recommended the most over the years?
1: Uh, it's probably uh, Bonk by Mary Roach. <laughs> okay.
0: wow, she's getting a lot of love today.
1: I know she totally is.
0: Um, and finally, uh, most important question of all: What's in your ideal sandwich?
1: Oh, uh, so I'm I'm vegetarian, veering veering on vegan. So vegan sandwiches are kind of tricky. I think like <laughs> my kids allergic to sesame, so I love hummus, but like a tahini-free hummus and crunchy lettuce and tomatoes and maybe like a soy fake bacon type of
0: situation. you got to have the crunch. sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Danielle, it's been amazing speaking with you today. Thanks so much. You guys are doing really cool things up in Seattle, and I wish you well. Oh, thank you. I'm Vic Singh, and you've been listening to Book Stories. Book Stories is produced by Alternate Thursdays in Los Angeles.